This time on Ensa Real Paradigm Shifters, Marie talks to Ali Zori, who is a very special guest because Ali is a VR astronaut, concept developer, scientist astronaut candidate in Project Possum, founder of Adapa360 and VR Oslo Business Cluster, VR enthusiast, history lover, Mars dreamer, amazing people connector, paradigm shifter, and a great human being with a big heart and absolutely incredible mission to help us all as humanity. Today, we have a chance to get to know not only about his ventures, but also to explore Ali's blueprints, values, key decisions, and strong entrepreneurial spirit. And now, here's Marie's conversation with Ali on Ensa Real Paradigm Shifters. I want to know, first of all, uh, about your latest venture with mm -hmm. the project Possum. Okay. Could you please tell us a little bit more about this project and your role in this project? Uh, with Project Possum, I was, uh, I am still following, I think it's three or four astronaut candidates that are working with them. One of them is a lady, two of them are ladies. One of them has a, one of them from Australia, one of them from Canada, but uh, I think she has either a Pakistani or Indian background. Mm -hmm. uh, she's a medical doctor. The other one has a doctorate's degree in arts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been following them and then uh, didn't really have much contact with Possum. Mm -hmm. uh, but I took uh, contact with them through Facebook and said that uh, I can offer VR mm -hmm. in exchange for the program that they offer. And they said, it's perfect timing. We will do, connect you with the director. <laughs> said, okay, that, that's nice. <laughs> Facebook like connection. And then after that, I had one Skype meeting with um, Jason. Is also a doctor. He's a pilot, but also has a doctorate. Uh, Jason Raymuller mm -hmm. uh, from po both Possum. And he's also director in something called uh, Space. Uh, no, hold on. integrated space flight services oh yeah mm -hmm. so what they do is they take scientists they take astronauts into a big plane mm -hmm. they also have a small plane that they do smaller tests with but then the, the airplane <coughs> flies like this mm -hmm. and then drops mm -hmm. so when it drops then you have 20 seconds 30 seconds of free fall Mm -hmm. But since the airplane is co fully covered, you think it's, uh, yeah, weightlessness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I said, I would like to take all of these programs. And in exchange, I would like to help you uh, build a VR experience and mm -hmm. also uh, use it as a method for analysis mm -hmm. uh, and also education, of course, mm -hmm. and whatever else we can find out we can do. And when, um, yeah. Ali, when you're saying VR experience, could you please explain to our listeners, because not all of them are familiar with this kind of technologies, what mm -hmm. in particular? Mm -hmm. uh, exactly this, I had to <clears throat> explain for them what is VR, what is 360, and what's the difference there what we can do with VR that we can't do with 360 and what we can do with 360 that we can't do with VR, etc. So 
here it's a compilation of different techniques uh, using mainly cameras because that's what I started off with. Mm -hmm. But after a while, we can see that those photographies, um, films, videos can also be put in different types of software. Some software turns the footage into 3D models mm -hmm. that you can move around in. Um, you can't do that in 360 video. You're standing still. If it's on a tripod, you're standing still and looking yeah. around. So uh, I explained these different versions to them and how they can be used for education, for photogrammetry, making mm -hmm. 3D models, photorealistic 3D models, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So they were interested in this. And uh, yes, we had our first meeting. So now we have to formalize a contract. I was accepted to the program. Great. So to go there and uh, go through all these uh, different uh, modules, trainings, mm -hmm. training modules. Uh, unfortunately, because of US, and I'm an Iranian, born in Iran, so, mm -hmm. so still having a Norwegian passport doesn't really help much. Uh -huh. So because of this, uh, I won't be able to go to the States because the program is in the States. Oh. We check, yeah. Uh, so they said that uh, they're considering moving everything to Canada. Uh -huh. So if they move it to Canada, if I would be able to go, I said, well, Canada seems a bit uh, easier. So yes, of course. So I have to wait. So yeah. hopefully you will be there soon. Okay, yeah. Ali, tell us please, why it's so important for you to participate, to be part of this project? I'm thinking of developing a camera system for space use. Mm -hmm. And uh, the brief, uh, we've been in touch with European Space Agency also. Project Possum and in, uh, Integrated Space Flight Services is NASA-backed project. Yes. We've also been in touch with ESA, European Space Agency. Mm -hmm. And uh, through European Space Agency, we can actually get funding. And their brief is, if you get money for technology development, what is that going to be of use on planet Earth? How is it going to help people here? Mm -hmm. That's the brief. So you have to develop something that we can mm -hmm. also use on Earth. It can't be just space. So this camera system, we're going to go in from the sensor level, design mm -hmm. a new sensor, so it can give us better photogrammetry, better 360. It can be used in different... You can use... Uh, several cameras to create one system so all all spacesuits are different so we have to have a flexible system mm -hmm. so it's not easy designing anything for a spacesuit yeah. so that's where we're at at this point so i have to be involved in the program to understand what do the astronauts do how is it to be inside a spacesuit yes sure and we now have actually a space race russia japan india everybody wants to go to mars Yes. So, yeah, so we have a serious race now and uh, we've been preparing, I've been preparing for this race at least three years now mm -hmm. and most other camera developer companies, to my knowledge, aren't really focusing on VR and space. So we're, we're in the front there. That's great. So, and hopefully we can provide something of use. Yeah. Yes, I'm more than sure you will. You yes. are, you will. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, Ali, tell us please a little bit, if I would ask you about your values, what mm -hmm. values would be? The last days, I've been thinking a lot about solidarity. Mm. I think this should be a core value of everything we do. 
yeah. solidarity. Mm -hmm. If we keep solidarity, then greed has no space in solidarity. And what uh, selfish selfishness mm -hmm. has no place in solidarity. Individualism. I'm starting to hate this uh, oh. mentality of individualism because it only feeds greed and selfishness and love for oneself. And if you feed that and you spend your time thinking in those directions, then you will take time away from thinking about solidarity. So what is solidarity? Solidarity is solidarity to your wife, your sister, brother, parents, friends, local community, country, you name it, planet. <laughs> yeah. So solidarity is, I believe, the main value we should be thinking about and keeping. Mm -hmm. If we keep solidarity, you keep love, you keep friendship, you give, yeah, you keep everything. That's great. Yeah. And in extension of this question, what is your mission? <laughs> that, that's changed a little bit. Okay. Because uh, unfortunately, there isn't that much solidarity to be found. People are being taught uh, competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And competition is very complex. You can have competition one-on-one -on -one or you can have competition between teams. Mm -hmm. Teams in business or teams in sports doesn't really matter. The mentality is more or less the same thing. They all go for a prize. Yeah. So my goals have changed. Earlier on, I was thinking that I wanted to solve something for the world. But unfortunately, there's not so much solidarity in the world, so you can't really solve that. <laughs> Yeah, so you have to find something of value, yeah. something of great value. It can't be purely ideological because people don't believe that so mm -hmm. much anymore. So it has to be a good mix between money, something has a monetary value, and at the same time, a high ideological value. You almost have to sneak in the ideology with the money. Mm -hmm. it's, yes. Yeah, it's opposite now. So I'm trying to find a way to mix the space race, which obviously costs a lot of money. Yeah. So wh whatever program you're in doing some space project, it's always very expensive. Yeah. So uh, it's an automatic thing that if you're doing something in space, then the, there's a lot of money involved. <laughs> so that's one thing. And then it has a high, high uh, ideological value doing something in space also mm -hmm. automatically helps humanity reach further, mm -hmm. both through science and physically going further. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, trying to find a mix between those two. That's my goal now. So less ideological, mm -hmm. more practical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The balance goes to, okay. Yeah. And why it's so important for you? We have to have something important to do in life. You have to have something that is of value in life. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's been a childhood dream. So that's some value for me personally, but it also has great value for everyone else. Hopefully, yeah. That's mixing different different technologies is not just one single type of technology going on here. Mm -hmm. It's not one sort of research. It's multi-platform, mm -hmm. both in knowledge and value. So, yeah. Ali, tell us, please, what is the biggest challenge currently now in your life? 
money financing <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> financing it's it's never enough that's a big issue that it's never enough it can't be big enough it can be small but it can't be big enough it needs time i was hoping to be able to solve this within a couple of years but it seems that there is a human aspect to it the technology we're developing is people are understanding it more and more these days but yeah. uh, it's still quite soon mm-hmm. both for vr 360 mixed reality it's uh, it's baby steps or still baby steps so it's going to take a lot of time i'm thinking maybe maybe in between 5 to 8 years before we really, really know what this technology can be used for okay i'm just wondering what drives you to keep going okay what is this source force inside of you which drives you it's just it's just decision yeah decision. i ma- i made the decision to go for this and i don't want to i don't want to wait for anything actually i said i'll be waiting for time to pass earlier but in the meantime it's really figuring out and finding the answers to all of the questions that are going to answer the big billion dollar question if someone comes and says yeah mm-hmm. what do you need i've had a lot of people from uh, high standard high standing people in sony in rico ibm mm-hmm. uh, hp big big companies mm-hmm. ask what do you need because well they have both the money the capacity and the yes. network to do anything and uh, in many cases i can answer what do i need but that's maybe a short question the long mm-hmm. long answer i still don't have the answer to so mm-hmm. um, that's what drives me to figuring out uh, how can i answer a big company that if they are interested mm-hmm. for example nasa for example european space agency we've been contacted by roscosmos i haven't had any contact with japanese or chinese uh, space uh, companies yet mm-hmm. but they will come so mm-hmm. there's a lot of answers if you want to go for it's not just saying yeah i'm going to work with space <laughs> you can't just say it there's yes, a lot of yes. a lot of subjects coming with that uh, could i ask you you said it's all about the decision you made yeah yeah when did you make this decision that was early <laughs> that was very early i was lucky i contacted a security company i uh, when i only had an idea about 360 mm-hmm. i contacted contacted the security company the guy there that picked up the phone this was late uh, late in the day around six o'clock i contacted this company Mm-hmm. and the guy there said don't do 360 there's no market for it we've tried 360 this was in 2011 mm-hmm. and he said uh, yeah don't do anything with 360 units it's it's a fail don't don't think about it <laughs> but if you're going to go ahead and do everything you want to do contact sintep i've told you about sintep before they're in the yeah. cluster Uh, they're northern europe's largest technological organ they can do literally anything yeah. uh, 2500 doctorates working there so yeah in 2011 already then they were in the billion class huh. so they knew about the big budgets and everything yeah. i contacted them 
and got in touch with the director of uh, research, uh, Dr. Mats Khalil, uh, and his uh, specialty was optometrical systems and data analysis, if I'm not wrong. And uh, he invited me to come for a meeting. And before, uh, before the meeting started, he said, sit down, let me explain some things to you first, mm -hmm. why you are here. And then he's going to have a presentation, then I could have my presentation. I said, okay, no problem. He said, the first reason you're here is that your, your idea is a billion kroner market. So mm -hmm. he, he, as a director of research, could see in the idea that it would have a billion kroner potential. Yes. Nobody had ever said anything like that to me before. So if, if someone on the street said, well, maybe it's worth a billion kroner, yeah. you would maybe laugh a little bit and then say, ha ha, whatever, and then it would pass. But when you have a director of research oh, yeah. sitting there and saying something like that, then you should take it seriously. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what made me decide that, okay, yeah, maybe there's something mm -hmm. here. And yeah, already on that first presentation, he asked me, everybody asked me, even today people come here to our apartment and say, where can you use this technology? People ask me all the time, where can you use this technology? Mm -hmm. And on that the first presentation, I had everything from uh, game development. Uh, yeah. Nobody was talking about making documentaries and uh, um, full-length VR movies, 360 movies. I had it in the presentation in 2012, February, uh, January 2012 already. So uh, these, not really, uh, maybe a little bit, but uh, <laughs> if you think about it, uh, Disney has had 360 cinemas since 1950. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I saw my first 360 long, you could say a movie, in Disneyland Paris in 95. Oh. It was a huge 360 cinema, uh, very futuristic. So... I've had some sources of inspiration and I've experienced it. So I knew a little bit about it. Uh, but for example, using photogrammetry for game development, nobody was really talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really heard about it, but now it's more and more used. Yes. So, yeah. Talking about your inspirations, who are your heroes? Nikola Tesla. Why? In many ways, First of all, because he solved big problems that really pushed humanity into, I will say, modern civilization. So with electricity, the way he solved it, yeah, it was a major push for our civilization to grow. Without electricity today, yes, <laughs> could be inconvenient. Yeah, could be. I'm, uh, yeah, not to talk about electricity too much, but yeah, Nikola Tesla, uh, the way he kept his uh, values and to his ideology, he didn't chase money at all, even though he had some luck with money for a short period of time. Yeah, and the way he actually went for it, he, mm -hmm. he went from one step to the other and just yeah. solved one thing after another and then his, he didn't. He didn't get frightened of ridicule because he had some chances for standing in front of people and sharing some phenomenal visions. Yeah. People thought he was crazy. And that's normally the way it is of visionaries. Yeah. They're thought of as crazy. And then 50, 60 years later, people say, oh, 
<laughs> so that's how it works. Yeah. Yes. I don't see myself in the same box. I've had some ideas that I see that are coming around, but I've been following technology since 2000. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Um, Ali, tell us about a little bit about um, the R business cluster. Mm -hmm. I know that you founded it in 2015 as yes. the cluster to unite elite in immersive technologies to collaborate mm -hmm. ideas to get financing tell us yes. a little bit more and how people can contact you mm -hmm. if they have projects to be implemented sure there is the reason for a business cluster this is a norwegian innovation norway program so Innovation Norway is a government organi organization, Norwegian organization. And my first contact with this program was in 2006 with regards to re renewable energy. I went to one of their uh, gatherings and understood a little bit about the dynamics of why they want comp uh, competing companies to meet up, to uh, spend time together, learn from each other, mm -hmm. and yeah, become a cluster. The idea is pretty straightforward. They want people to talk to each other because <laughs> they understand that you have a different filter than I have, our brain, our way of understanding situations, markets, business in general. So they want people to gather together and uh, Innovation Norway funds these programs. Norwegian Research Council is also partner in this program. Mm -hmm. So they're promoting both business development but also scientific development. Mm -hmm services as well as products and uh, software with regards to vr of course this is a multicultural multi-platform multi-everything <laughs> people are coming from architecture from medicine from you name it and mm -hmm. vr vr ar mixed reality and yeah. all these r's realities are um, combining and uh, mixing all the platforms, all the sectors, all the studies in one place. Mm -hmm. So what we're using for architecture can just as easily be used for offshore industries. Or yeah, you're getting, getting my drift. Yes. So gathering all these people in one place, connecting them, and then having funding program through the Research Council, through, through mm -hmm. Innovation Norway for EU funding programs, is, uh, is a good way to do things. Yes, I agree absolutely. In our cluster, in our cluster, we also have uh, other clusters. One of them is an offshore industry cluster from Olesen, uh, which is a global center of expertise. I'm not sure how many companies there are there, but they're quite large. Mm -hmm. They've been around for, uh, I think, eight years at least now, almost ten years. Sorry, huh. they've been around. Uh, we have a Norwegian center of expertise for media. Uh, Norwegian Center of Expertise for Health, which is in Oslo. The one for media is in Bergen. They're respectively 100 members and 200 members. Both of them are over 100 million Norwegian kroner in funding every year. Mm -hmm. So it's not, uh, yeah, it's a big, big, uh, what's it? big engine. Yes, both big in, both mm -hmm. in administration and in funding. So. I'm seeing that this, this can be a major success. And the success is not for the cluster, it's for the members. 
people think that the cluster gets the, this money. The cluster organization is just the channel for getting this funding through. Mm -hmm. This is a major issue to get our members to understand. Again, to get them more involved and more engaged in activities mm -hmm. in the cluster. Yeah. The more activities they have, the more involved they are, the more chances there are to get funding through the other clusters or through our own cluster. Mm -hmm. so. Yes. And I have a question. So sure. our listeners, maybe somebody is interested in this, not maybe they're interested in this because they're paradigm shifters. Is it only for Norwegian projects or for the projects all over the globe? Uh, we are already global. We have more than, we have more than, if not 80, we are more than 70 companies internationally. Just to talk about cluster program, the cluster program itself has access to Norwegian funding, mm -hmm. but also through Norwegian Research Council has access to EU funding. So already there, it has interna uh, not international, but uh, European funding programs access. Mm -hmm. For instance, Norway Health Tech, Norwegian Center of Expertise for Health, they have amazing connections in uh, North America, especially Canada and the funding programs there. So, and they also have a huge campaign for China and Eastern Europe. Uh, that's been at least two years now where we have high-ranking Chinese officials visiting Norway and also the Norwegian delegate going to China. Mm -hmm. So this isn't, this is not a game. <laughs> this is a big, big activity level, That's both political real. and uh, industrial. So mm -hmm. there are big sums of money, big names moving back and forth. So mm -hmm. this is a... Value creation on a global and on a national level. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, Ali, if uh, people would want to stay in touch with you, yes. or with our business cluster, how they mm -hmm. can do this? With regards to who's leading the cluster today, I found, uh, founded and funded uh, the start of this cluster. For my own uh, sake, I will be focusing a little bit more on uh, the NASA projects and the ESA projects moving forward. Uh, we have a new leader. Uh, he's not the CEO yet, but hopefully he will be taking over as CEO. Mm -hmm. His name is Keith Mellingen. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go on vroslo.no mm -hmm. or vroslo Facebook page. Yes. Uh, there you will have both access to me directly and also uh, Keith Mellingen, who is uh, leading the project moving forward. Mm -hmm. We will be able to answer any questions there. So, yeah. thank you, yeah. thank you, Ali. I know that you were involved in a medtech um, project. Yes. Combine medicine and virtual reality and other reality uh, technologies. Could you please explain to me personally and to listeners how these technologies in combination could mm -hmm. help us? Because a lot of times people have this perception of gaming industry yeah, of these yeah. kind of technologies. Yeah. We can start with gamification. It's already been used without gla glasses. Mm -hmm. uh, in the health industry in Norway, there is one of our, mem one of our members is called uh, the Hospital of Sun Os. They have a gamification lab, which is now also a VR and 
robotics lab. So now they're already thinking of connecting gamification to VR mm -hmm. and VR to robotics and seeing how these uh, mixes result. So they've been using it for at least three, four years now, getting some amazing results there. It's all about attention with regards to health. Using our eyes, you can rob, steal the attention mm -hmm. from one person. And when you steal their attention, they're not focusing on their body anymore. So if they have pain in their body, it's proven that the power of vision is so strong that it can completely remove pain. So gamification is using that as much as it can. Mm -hmm. It's fine. It works. Uh, I personally believe that as a first step, it's, it's a good technique. Games is fun, okay. Um, but after a while, the person needs to understand what's going on in their body yeah. so that they don't need games to trick themselves to get better. Because once you remove the game, then the solution is gone. Mm -hmm. So if they don't have the game anymore, then they have a problem. So they have to solve this in a way. So gamification is a good first step. But after that, it has to come as close as it can to reality. Yeah. That's where our profession comes in, where we are using photography for both uh, 360 imaging, video, uh, which can be used for exposure therapy and things like that. And if you want environments like in the game, gamification environments where you can move around, do things, uh, yeah, be a bit more immersive, photogrammetry comes into play where the environment you're moving inside is very photorealistic. Yeah. You, your brain doesn't think, oh, this is a game. It's more close to real. Uh, that's another step mm -hmm. closer to making the person understand what real life application is similar to than a gamification application. So, yeah. VR and mixed reality are two different things. Today, they are two different things. But I believe that mixed reality, for example, HoloLens and now Magic Leap glasses, quite shortly will also be able to perform virtual reality uh, applications. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all about data processing power at the moment. So VR needs a big computer while Mixed reality, everything is inside the goggles. Yeah. Uh, with um, Magic Leap, you have a small computer connected to it. So you mm -hmm. have it in your back pocket. So it's not cordless. It's tethered, as they say. But uh, in maybe three or four generations of these uh, products, the computing power will be so powerful that we don't need the external computer to do things. So um, with that, the solutions will also change. So what we're solving with VR for uh, healthcare now, mm -hmm. uh, soon we will be able to do the same in mixed reality mm -hmm. goggles. Uh, uh, 
Okay, I see. Alit, and um, could you please give us specific examples? What kind of medical problems could be solved with this kind of technologies? I can uh, give you a couple of examples. For instance, we shot a 360 video right over an operation table mm -hmm. in the studio. Yes. It was a hip surgery. Uh, the surgery lasted about 50 minutes. We recorded everything. Mm -hmm. When you, yeah, we recorded from over the table and also behind where the anesthesian was sitting and paying attention to the, the patient. Huh. So we had recording from two areas. Looking back, I, I'm not really allowed to say anything about the operation, but things happened in the operation that would be uh, good for insurance, for instance, <laughs> without saying too much, uh, but also for students, if they want to see a complete operation, how it, look, how it looks on the screens, how mm -hmm. it looks in the, how the surgeon is uh, using the tools, uh, how the anesthesian is helping out, how the uh, main nurse who is directly helping the yeah. surgeon, the rhythm, the dynamic, everything. You can really spend an hour looking, mm -hmm. in, looking at all of this and in every angle you would like to see. So this, yeah, we haven't been able to do this before. And now we can. So you can get a complete understanding of uh, how these processes are mm -hmm. in a video. That's great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fantastic. And... The equipment isn't that expensive today. You can go buy a Samsung uh, camera for very cheap mm -hmm. and just have it over your uh, hospital bed and suddenly you're many steps ahead of your other <laughs> hospitals. Yeah. So the level of implementation is very low, but mm -hmm. unfortunately, yeah, the hospitals are very conservative. The bureaucracy is very conservative. Budgets are low, yeah. So that story is very long, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, some examples, yeah, that's one. With mixed reality, we've had several ideas. We haven't done anything uh, in particular yet other than in education, where you can study anatomy and stuff like that and see where things are placed inside yeah. the body, for example. Uh, but one thing that we've done ourselves also is connecting brain sensors uh, to the HoloLens yes. and then using thoughts only to write inside HoloLens. Huh. Yeah, we're the only ones on the planet still that have done this. Uh, you can write in word by thinking. Mm -hmm. And I know yeah. it was successful. It was successful. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a very odd and if I can say myself a fantastic idea Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't think that it was going to be easy to solve, but we solved it in one evening, by chance also. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it works. And uh, the use cases there are if you have someone that cannot move their hands, well, in, yeah, if they cannot move, basically. In some, yeah. t some cases they can't talk. Yes. Only yeah. eye movements. Only yeah. eye movement. Some of them even don't even have eye movement. What are you going to do? Well, the brain is always active. Mm -hmm. 
That's really fantastic. Yeah. Lee, if I would ask you, and I, I will ask you right now. Sure. Um, would you say, what is your passion in all these activities? What is your passion? My passion is to combine all of the technologies into the spacesuit. Great. <laughs> that was short and pretty. Yeah. Ali, I know that you're the founder of Adapa 360. Too. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, I, maybe I'm mistaken, but I think it started with Adapa 360. Yes? Yes. yes. And uh, what is the history behind that? And what about the name? Why Adapa? Hmm. Actually, it started in 2011. Uh, I was, I've been studying ancient history for quite some time. I'm interested in ancient history, mostly ancient Egyptian and Mesopotamian, Sumerian history. Yeah. And when you study that type of history, you always end up with the pyramids. <laughs> so I said, okay, let's, let's Google pyramids, see what happens. So I Googled pyramids in 2011. This was in April and found out that there are pyramids in Europe. Oh. And, and I was where, where in Europe? shocked. Yeah. There are a couple of places. You have, uh, if I'm not wrong, you have in Italy. Huh. Uh, you have on roads. If I'm not wrong, I, I'm skipping a little bit here now. Uh, mm -hmm. In France. In France. And in France. But these are not, when you look at them, they're, most of the time it just looks like rubble. Uh -huh. So nothing, nothing really large. So yeah. people think that these are just attempts of making pyramids because they're not megalithic pyramids. <laughs> like in Giza. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but we have a series in Bosnia. Huh. Bosnia-Herzegovina. I remember you showed me once pictures and if I'm not yeah. mistaken, you were there. I was there twice, actually. Huh. So I saw that and it's most, uh, the most of the information is on these pyramids because they're quite large. Yeah. Uh, they have, uh, I think they have five pyramids there huh. and uh, two of them are larger than the largest in Giza. Really? Yes. The Pyramid of the Sun in uh, Visoko, Bosnia-Herzegovina, is one-third taller than the tallest one in Giza. That's one-third. That's very big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> I, have, they have farms on top of this thing. I have farms. a question. Why, why we don't know about this? I mean, about the pyramids in Egypt, everybody knows. Yeah, uh, they haven't been able to find anything that can remotely date the construction. Mm -hmm. They don't know how old it is, uh, but it seems to be very old. How would I say it? A bit too old, maybe. <laughs> so they cannot defend. Mm -hmm. In all Bosnian history, they thought it was a mountain. Huh. And I don't remember, I think it was in 2005 or 2006, mm -hmm. they did some uh, analysis from uh, satellite yeah. photography mm -hmm. and saw that this, this is perfect, perfect north, northeast or east-south. I don't remember the, how they measure it, uh -huh. but the alignment 
what is more perfect than the alignment of Giza. And these things don't happen by chance. Yes, okay. I agree. Yeah. So this is, people say, oh, it's just land formation. That's the dumbest thing you can say. Because <laughs> yeah. it just that doesn't happen. It's like finding, yeah. It's like finding a building in the middle of nowhere and saying, yes. oh, no, it's just natural formation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's foolish. Yeah. So they gave um, Dr. Samir Osmanagic in mm -hmm. Bosnia. They gave him uh, permission to, uh, to dig in three places. And of course, he went to the corner of the thing <laughs> and they dug three, uh, 70 centimeters and found concrete, two layers of concrete. And we cannot make this concrete today. Uh, that's in one video I found. Yeah. Long story. So I, was, I went down there. <laughs> <laughs> I went down there. Uh, to do a documentary and I was filming with my uh, Nokia N8 phone, <laughs> full HD, 1080p, <laughs> surround sound, everything. <laughs> and then I went, I came back to Norway and in Norway I found a studio that was uh, flying helicopters because I was filming with my phone on top, not on top, uh, on the pyramid. Everything, there's soil everywhere, there's trees. They have farms on top of this thing. It's, you can, it's not a, when you look at it, it's a pyramid, but not, it's all under dirt. Okay, they treat it they have the a, pyramid as mountain. Okay. Yeah, so there's houses there, there's uh, uh -huh. tree, tree plantations there, people growing apple tree, you know, <laughs> everywhere, yeah. So we were there digging one full day and I was filming everything. And when I came back and looked at the footage, you, it's so large, you can't see anything. It looks like you're on top of a hill. Mm -hmm. You can't see it. From, uh, when you're on it, you don't know what you're on top of. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought we need a helicopter because nobody was really talking much about drones and stuff like that then. Brilliant uh, idea. <laughs> so we need a helicopter. Mm -hmm. I, found a, I found a studio that flew helicopters and then they said, what is this for? I said, yeah, we're going, to, if you're interested, we're going to Bosnia. <clears throat> they said, okay, what's in Bosnia? I said, pyramids. <laughs> said, Are you crazy? I said, no, I'm not crazy. Here's video. And they freaked out. They really freaked out. And they say, oh my God. Yes, yes, we're in. We want to do this. I said, okay. I went there and then uh, they looked at some of the footage and they said, what have you been filming with? Because they had iMac, big iMac screens, surround sound, everything was fantastic video. Yeah. And I said, I, my phone, I was filming with my phone. I said, oh my God, your phone did this? Their reaction to the quality of what the phone was doing gave me the idea, why don't we just have a lot of cameras yeah. around our head? Then you can actually see where the environment is yeah. and that you're actually on top of something here. So that's where it all started. Huh. That's the backdrop. So, uh, and in, that was in 2011, September and October, I went twice there. And there, then for the first time, National Geographic went down mm -hmm. in October. When I left, National Geographic came with uh, one archaeologist, archaeologist, uh, two geologists yeah. went down there. That was pretty serious. And the next year, they had a section in the, the History Channel. Wow. So the History Channel covered that. I think it was Ancient Aliens or something like that that covered 
Is it a pyramid? Is it not a pyramid? My God. It's, the constructions there is amazing. Yeah, I can talk about that for days. For days. What, what they have down there. And the project is still going. So, yeah, that gave me the, the idea. And then we started two companies. Mm-hmm. So Adapa360 is actually a brand that covers two companies. One Adapa Trino uh, and one Adapa System. So why Adapa? Yes. Adapa is the name of the first civilized man. Oh. The reason I used Adapa is because people can ask me why Adapa. Yeah. And that is a history uh, lesson in that name. So people will get interested in Sumerian history. Mm-hmm. That's the place that you will find the answer on how Adapa was made. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it's a pretty serious history. And in our times, when we have a lot of people moving around, we have a mass mass escaping of people due to war and all this stuff. And some people kill other people over skin color and ethnicity and all this. And uh, especially in Norway, it's becoming a huge issue because uh, asylum seekers are coming from everywhere. And the Norwegian society is a very fragile society. Mm-hmm. With only 5 million people, if you have a lot of other nationalities coming to your country, then your culture, obviously, we can see this changes drastically. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a political issue. And knowing the history of Adapa uh, actually will help us understand the origins of humanity, that yeah. we're all from the same source, from one channel, yeah. not diverse channels. The diversity comes from the different races that were made on this planet and how people married each other. Gods and humans, humans and humans, and yeah, races between races. And there's been such a long time passing that our genes are all mixed. Yes. Yeah. So we're all related, literally. In our genetics, we're all related. Uh, Some Jews... I'm not going to be afraid to say this. It's a very uh, touchy subject about Jewish people and Jews, but I've been, uh, I respect the Jews, first of all, and their history. What they stand for is all subject to how you read dogma, of course. That's dogma. <laughs> yes. Doesn't matter but, how you read it, it's still yeah. dogma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but uh, with regards to genetics, um, I've studied a little bit about uh, the science around their genetics mm-hmm. and the most recent gene science says that there is actually a Jewish gene oh. that all Jewish people have oh. and it's, uh, it's a small but substantial piece that cannot be looked past so okay. it is found that Jewish people have something unique that is only for Jewish people but also their genetics has been mixed a lot. So, oh, yes. Yeah. I know so. this uh, from my own example because I'm the mixture of <laughs> from everywhere, from Russia, from Ukraine, mm. from Europe, from yeah. America. So, um, yes, it's very interesting, very exciting topic. Mm. It's try- I'm trying to connect. I'm trying to connect the history of humanity and how we started with what and what understanding 
and where we are today. Because back then, if we believe in the subject of gods, in religion, we've thought about one bearded guy in the heavens and, you know. <clears throat> but if you start looking at it scientifically, and also, again, in the Bible, these gods and angels, they are human looking. Mm -hmm. Actually, humans look like them. Mm -hmm. They don't hide it. They say quite openly that they came and they made human beings mm -hmm. and they told us to fill the earth. And then, yeah, there are other clues that they actually came back and visited us again. For example, you can open Book of Ezekiel and there you can see that there's a metallic shape object. thing, object coming down. There's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of sound, a lot of things happening. And that's what we call a UFO today. And what is the reason of our creation? I have, I have a question. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> this going a little bit off topic, but sure, yeah. The reason of our creation, the way the gods explain it, is uh, they created us to dig for gold. Oh. <laughs> you it. mean dig for gold, like digging? Dig for gold. Literally? Literally. And the, the backdrop to that story is that this is written down in clay tablets thousands of years old. We're talking about 4,700 years before Christ. Mm -hmm. So 6,000 plus years. People sat down and wrote this in clay. Huh. They didn't have paper. They, they had a stylus and they wrote in clay and then mm -hmm. they burnt the clay and that clay has survived thousands and thousands and thousands of years and now they found them in early 18, early 1900s late mm -hmm. 1800s mm -hmm. and in the 1900s translated them and they found amazing stories that yes there were other beings the gods they came from another planet their planet was suffering from uh, atmospheric uh, issues the same we have here on our no, planet yes. mm -hmm. and they needed gold they didn't have gold on their planet, so they were out in space looking for gold and mining gold in space in meteorites, the way we're plan planning to do now on our civilization. So this is, this, is not, this is something new for us, but it's in clay tablets from 6,000 years ago that the gods did this. And then uh, they have some drama, a lot of drama. These gods, they have very human-like drama. They're not so, they're not so godlike. They're very human. They came to Earth chasing a king, and they found gold on Earth, and that was used as a bribe. They killed the king, and then they started expedition to Earth. And then there was other princes and princesses that came to Earth. They thought there was a. a very exciting expedition, but it ended up in digging for gold in South Africa. Yeah. So uh, as a yeah. So we were created in South Af Africa. We were created in South Africa by a god named Enki, and his son Ninurta, and a goddess, uh, the first human working human, which was actually called Model One. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Original. The, the, the Adamu. Huh. The Adamu, yeah. Was model one, uh, was born in a god goddess womb. So she gave birth. 
And from ancient times, we also have archaeological finds of a female female being with big breasts, big stomach, the mother, yeah, yes. the great mother. Yeah. So this is also a lot of archaeology. And <clears throat> it's all related to space because they travel through space. Uh -huh. And they came here <laughs> and they have had a lot of problems with exporting the gold mm -hmm. through space back to their planet and all that and healing their yeah, healing their planet with gold. So that's what are you planning to do to heal the planet? I don't think that we are able to heal our planet in that sense. No, we're hurting our planet too badly, I think. Mm -hmm. There's too much greed, talk about solidarity. There's too much greed, personal greed, to be able to help our planet. Do you think it's hopeless? We need a revolution. I think it's, I'm, I'm going to go all out on your first interview. So I'm going to say we need a revolution on a global scale. Uh, politics is not working. Politics is leading to war. Mm -hmm. I don't believe we need politics anymore. Our technology level is so high that we can uh, we can we can have our administration, societal administration, through apps yeah. <laughs> and connecting people. Yes. We don't need politics anymore. Politics has led to a lot of war. Humans have always been. What do you call it? Victim of war. None of us have gained anything True. from war. I agree with you. I am. Yeah. I came from the country which is currently in the war, and I know yeah. you have you had the same experience. So yeah, I know how it feels like. The people that that do war they only do war because they have companies that build rockets build weapons everything you know, through all all history they have an excuse for war uh, and they say that in war we develop a lot of technology and that technology also helps humanity that's a great excuse the most nonsensical <laughs> excuse yeah, I don't, uh, I don't agree. I think we could, uh, one thing that is true is that when in times of war, there is a lot of solidarity. Yes, but a lot of pain and yeah. other not positive things too. And exactly. I, from my experience, I was just amazed how quickly the war could happen. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's just useless. Nobody really understands what is going on, what we are fighting for, what's, what are the reasons, why people are dying, why yeah. children and mothers and brothers and yeah. men are suffering. What's the reason, except of the big money? <laughs> the, the reason, I believe, is that some people have a national interest. They call it a national interest. Mm -hmm. But the national interest is personal interest, political interest, uh, monetary interest. And it's not so smart, really. Because in war, you lose a lot of people. 
And those people that you're killing, many of them have bright ideas, bright minds. Yeah. And what they can do and solve through ideas and work, you cannot gain in a war. So there's a lot of value being lost. It's a very cheap and stupid way of becoming rich. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And not visionary at all. Not at all. Yes. Not at I all. There are, <clears throat> there are a lot of cases, uh, especially in Christianity, if we want to, because uh, Islam is very, I'm not Muslim, just to say that. Mm -hmm. I'm not Christian either. Um, I'm not Buddhist either. Uh, I believe in God, obviously. Um, that's why I wanted to figure out what God is about and what humans are about and what we're doing here and all that. It's a long story. Uh, Christianity has always had someone with a vision and saying that in that vision, either God or the Holy Spirit or Jesus Christ came to them and showed them the cross now this is all symbology, yes? Showed them the cross and said, yes, go kill people. Yeah. You have my blessing. Yeah. That's insanity. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah. And Ali, could I ask you, maybe this question will be not very pleasant for you, but I have it, so I feel like I have to ask it. I know that you faced the war. You know how it looks. Yeah. And um, what are the insights and lessons of this experience do you have? What positive out of this did you take? Actually, I can continue with what I started with the Christian, uh, Christianity being fooled into going into war. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's the same thing in, in Islam. Yeah. And what I've learned out of this is that religion is never the reason for war. Mm -hmm. It's been used as a, it's been used as an excuse, thank you, for war. Um, every religion teaches being kind, being, yeah, helping yeah. each other and all that. For me personally, it's been trying to find out about why do we have war? Why do we have different religions? Mm -hmm. It was a good example. In, in, in the various religions that have a monotheistic setting, mm -hmm. you believe in one God. Mm -hmm. That one God says that you should not have other gods than me. What you were expecting. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, if the God that is saying that he's the only God is asking you to not to believe in other gods. That's a clue in itself. Yes. And it also mentions one thing, that that god is not that smart. Yeah. And he's scared out of his mind. Exactly. So this is, uh, this is what you get from sitting and really going into the depths of human nature, basically. Mm -hmm. So why, why does human nature lead to greed? For example, in Norway, they throw away, we live in Norway, in yeah. Oslo. In Norway, we throw away 300,000 tons 
of food that could have been eaten in one year. Huh. <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> 300,000 tons. That's not 300 tons. 300,000 tons. tons. Yes, yes I, I can hear you. Why? <laughs> that, <laughs> that's insane. Yes. And it's been thrown, thrown away by the shops themselves every day. Fresh food, bread, cheese, milk, yogurt, meat, you name it, is being thrown away every day and not given away at a discount to the people working in the, in the shop even. Yes. There are people in the streets, there are poor people in Norway. There's a staggering amount of poor people in Norway. It's, it's mm. a joke. They're going to bed hungry and they're throwing away 300,000 tons of food. Every day. So why is this happening? It's because of control and greed. So trying to find out why this greed exists. How can we solve this? It's a big question. When we grow up, we're given... <clears throat> We're giving these hypothetical questions. Uh, what, is the, what is the meaning of life? Why are we here? And people are asked these questions in a way that promotes the idea that we're not able to solve them. Which is not true from my it's perspective. It's not true. Yes, it's not true. We can solve them. So we're even being misled yes. in that direction. Yeah. What I've learned is greed is a <laughs> bottomless pit, <laughs> pit, sorry. And if you want to do big changes in this world, you'll have a lot of resistance. Mm -hmm. And if you want to make big changes in the world, you have to feed the resistance to be able to feed the poor or goodwill a little bit. So you have to mm -hmm. give more to the system to be able to give a little. To those who need it. Yeah. Okay, Ali. <laughs> I, I know that entrepreneurs will listen to this podcast. Sure. And I would like to know what would be your main message to these entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. Visibility. What, what do you mean? Could you explain a little bit more? Visibility, PR, making yourself visible, can be many things. It can be, yeah, you can be on the bus, it can be on the plane or waiting for your airplane or mm -hmm. in the office, in the shops. Get in touch with people, literally. Uh, people are getting out of touch. Mm -hmm. We're getting in touch on mobile and on Facebook. I don't exclude that. That's very good. As you know, I'm very active on Facebook, for instance. Mm -hmm. I would say that you should learn to master social media. It can help you uh, yeah, make yourself more visual, mm -hmm. uh, visible and visual at the same time. Reaching people. And also, it is in... Connection with people that we learn to define our goals, I think. So that should be a main... Uh, uh, being an entrepreneur is about trying to find 
it's cliche to say a needle in the haystack, but that's the chance you have of finding your success mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur, I would say. That's so about it's a quest. <laughs> it's a quest, quest, big time. It's a quest. Uh, and the only way to solve the problems of your quest is finding the right people. Yeah. And it's not the finding the right people that can give you the answer, but it's finding the right people that can give you the answer and also help you solve your problems that can lead to your success, which in return will also help people. Yeah. So visibility will attract the right people, but will also attract the wrong people, unfortunately. <laughs> but yeah. it's better to be visible than not being invisible. Being invisible, yeah. So that's the same. Thank you. Ali, if you don't mind, I have a bunch of other questions. I sure. want to be maybe really quick if you're tired already. No, no, it's okay. And I know that you have black belt in Taekwondo. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, what is this about? What attracts you or attracted you and attracts still to Taekwondo, to martial arts? Mm -hmm. And what do you get out of this? As a child, I believe my generation all were fascinated by Bruce Lee. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so after my first Bruce Lee film, I was already a black belt. <laughs> <laughs> like many other children, uh, started kicking around, you know, wanted to learn martial arts. And I thought everything, everything martial arts was karate, I thought. Mm -hmm. Everything was karate. And uh, I was training on my own for quite a while, a couple of years, and found out that my uncle was a teacher, a master in Taekwondo. And oh, then, no. uh, yeah, <laughs> quite, quite young. And then he started teaching me. Mm -hmm. He came to visit. We went for a run. And in that run, he tested everything I had to give with kicks and everything. And then he started teaching me from there. Uh, in 1999, I got my black belt oh. at the age of eight, 19, yes. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's where it started. And for me, it's been all about connecting uh, my mentality with the performance of my body. So it's all about balance. It's all about really. balance. <laughs> it's all about balance. And it's about respect for myself and respect for other people. We live in a violent world. Nature is violent. It's utopic thinking, non-violence. I was looking at the window, snow is melting away and then there's a lot of leaves on the ground and under the leaves there are insects, you know. And the birds come flying down and they make beautiful sounds and they look in the, between the leaves and eat some insects. It's very, it's very nice to see as a human that nature has its way, but it's not so nice for the insect being eaten alive down in my backyard. So there's a, literally a horror movie happening on the ground. Yeah. Which Everything. is a part of spring. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not, I'm not delusional that we live, a non, we live in a non-violent society. So it has helped to understand the violent side of myself, 
Mm -hmm. The violent side of being a human. Mm -hmm. Why is there so much violence? And how I should relate to violence. Violence between people in one in a one-to-one setting. If someone is angry with me or wants to do some harm on me or something like that, how I should react. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is risk? How much risk are we in in any moment? Yeah, that's what the martial arts is all about, to find the balance at every moment. And you, you said that it's all about the balance and how you should relate to your violent mm-hmm. um, part yes. in you. So how should you relate? What the martial arts taught you? What is this relation? Control. Control. Yeah. So it's you all need about- to control. Mm-hmm. Even if someone attacks you, you should have that much power and finesse mm-hmm. in your movements to be able to control the situation. So if you're very unlucky and someone tries to punch you or kick you or push you or pull you or throw something mm-hmm. at you or, you know, people do crazy things. Or if you're even more unlucky, if someone has a weapon, yeah, yeah. You need to be able to react to that. I think, I think we should all learn martial arts because then we will be able to learn, learn to respect each other. You will know, mm-hmm. you will be closer to understanding what pain is about, not just emotional pain, because most of us have a lot of emotional pain and we can do a lot of physical pain mm-hmm. in balance to the <laughs> emotional pain. And most of the cases, we don't really understand the balance between the emotional pain and the physical pain that we cause. There's a huge difference. Huge difference. And it's a great teacher. I mean, the physical pain is a great teacher too. I agree with you. Exactly. Do you meditate, Ali? I started meditating at the age of nine. The age of nine. Yeah. Oh, and that was because of I've always had a lot of activity, uh, always very energetic. Big problems trying to sleep, <laughs> and I don't know why, but I suddenly I suddenly thought maybe hypnosis would be uh, a way to solve it. I saw actually it was a a guy named Paul McKenna. Mm-hmm. Do you know him? No. British guy. No. no. Paul McKenna. He uh, he did TV hypnosis. I saw a couple of shows with him, and he hypnotized the lady. Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember if it was before or after he hypnotized her that he told her that you can hypnotize yourself also. That's what we're constantly doing. <laughs> yeah. With ourselves. Yeah, in a good way though. Not in a, way, in, a, yeah. in a bad way only. And then I got curious. So I went to my elementary school library <laughs> <laughs> looking for books on hypnosis and found them. Amazing. And started self-hypnosis <laughs> at the age of eight, <laughs> nine. nine. And it worked. Very simple, yeah. You just start counting from zero, from 100 to zero and breathe, breathe deeply. 
uh, at every number five and zero. And by the time you, if in the beginning, I didn't even get to zero. I fell asleep under, underway mm-hmm. counting. But after a while I get, got to zero. And then when you get to zero, you don't, you just stop counting. And in that state, you manage to have a state of meditation when you're not thinking about anything and your body is completely calm and yeah. Yeah, it works. It's effective. Do you have other hints how to stay balanced if you're frustrated or nervous? Oh, I must admit that I have failed in controlling my my, uh, emotional uh, balance. My physical balance is is okay. I don't have. I do get angry because there's a lot of. How should I say this? I've been very ideological. I was. Ha- I, I've always had very big hopes for humanity, but that hope has just disintegrated little after little after little. It's becoming less and less and less and less and less. So I'm very often angry about this situation because it stops everything. It stops human to human relations. It stops project progress. It, mm-hmm. it really kills your soul, your initiative, your ideology. It just damages everything. This greed that most people have and the way that they can justify greed and saying, well, it's just business, you know, Nothing personal. Nothing personal. It's just business. They make movies about this. And it's, it's crazy. And personally, I can't swallow that at all. Like, I've tried swallowing it. I've tried being, being like that. I can't. It just doesn't work. They call that success. What is success for you? Success for me is when... When you have a vision and you reach your vision, if you want to talk ideological and utopic, if you have a vision and you reach your vision and you help a lot of people in the process and you teach a lot of people in the process and you learn a lot from people in the process, uh, and you reach money, value in money and also value in yourself and local community and all that. Mm-hmm. it is possible yes it, it is possible through solidarity if people truly understand solidarity and not fooling each other and try to take advantage of each other these are very basic rules that you can follow and basic rules that also can be judged if someone does something wrong in a project you can say okay you did this wrong here so sorry mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not doing it like that. People are all, most people play by the same rules. And the, those are the same rules of startups and entrepreneurship and business is business. And, yeah. Ali, you told about vision. What is your vision? My vision is in different parts. I have a vision about my own life is uh, a vision that I don't own anything. In the end, I'm in that process now. Like I don't own any of these projects. The companies that were started, I don't own any of them. The business cluster, I don't own any of it. Uh, I've given all of that away. It's not easy not owning anything. I, I, I can understand. 
Uh, you can be in a situation where someone sees that you're doing something valuable and the way that they can lock you into a position that you can generate more value so that they can earn money is that they offer you maybe a job or they offer you their house, they offer you money, they offer you luxury to keep you in a position so that you can still continue doing what you're doing so that they can earn money by you doing what you do. So, yeah, you can't be in the position that I am and not own anything. But that's the exercise. So I'm working on that. I personally don't own anything other than some clothes and some computer stuff. I don't own the computer stuff either. <laughs> so it's all about the freedom or why? Experience. I don't, th I don't think there is any freedom to that. I think there is a balance there also. It's all about balance. Yeah, so that's one, uh, one vision. And one other vision is, of course, making a success out of all the work that has gone into the VR and 360 and all the state thoughts and, you know, all that. That's a big vision. Personally, I don't think I need to follow that vision all the way through. As long as I see that the technology and the companies and the organizations that I start are going in that direction, that are going to be active in that direction, I can rest easy after a few years that I make sure that, okay, it's going in the right direction. It's going to work. Uh, unless some catastrophic thing happens down the road, then I can give up that vision. Okay, so I have a question here. If it's all about the experience and balance, what do you want to to get out of out of all this for yourself? The what only the experience. Only experience. Yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. we don't. I've been poor. I've had experiences in life where I, I have physically been poor uh, several times, actually. I've also been rich, so much so that money didn't really matter at all. I mm -hmm. could have anything I wanted at any time. But experiencing the fluctuation between being poor and being rich and getting poor and getting rich, and, you know, up and down like that, also shows that when you're rich, you think about money a lot. Because everything has to keep balance while you're rich. You have to have a lot of money. Yes, you have to keep going to yes, yeah. so, maintain all this. But when you're, when you're poor, you have to have money to survive. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. It's a different type of balance. Uh, it's not necessary to live like a poor person. You can take care of yourself. <clears throat> but owning a lot of things is not good at all. Mm -hmm. It's focus on material things. If you own less things, especially expensive things, then you don't focus on material things too much. It's physical. And I believe in many cases, biological. <laughs> okay. Ali, what are your predictions for the future of VR and other immersive technologies? Okay, I'm going to be uh, bold. Okay. I've tried to uh, use your fresh platform as a way to 
be as extreme as I can, and this would just be just that. Okay. My vision is that we're going to revolutionize how we teach humanity. I think that this is science now in Norway, for instance. There are companies that are doing research on, for instance, teaching young boys multiplication table, the small multiplication table, one to six. Mm -hmm. Is it no one to ten? It is. One to ten. Mm -hmm. One to ten. What they would spend one year on, they've taught in six weeks. Mm -hmm. This is science, not people hoping. They've done this. The pilot project is finished. And Norwegian Research Council has funded it. Pretty high standing Norwegian scientists have joined this project and done the analysis and everyone has been shocked. Ah. Really. They, they all had big hopes for the result, but the results shocked everyone. How fast it was for boys, especially to learn and using uh, gamification. In this, the gamification, as I mentioned, to me is the first step of this technology. Mm -hmm. We still have many steps to go in combining the technologies, the techniques, and all that. We're not doing that, we're just playing literally. So, I think it will take us at least 10 years mm -hmm. to figure all of this out because the wheel is turning too slow. Society is not ready is not the structure of society doesn't have space space <laughs> for implementing new technologies effectively how do you think what could be done to change this situation uh, right now it's uh, they call it vr evangelism <laughs> so we have to preach <laughs> a joke really think of think of the state of our society where people have to run around telling other people about technology and how it's going to change their lives. While this should be a government task to systematically sit down and go through all the new technologies that are coming out and having a pilot project task groups that really effectively can go through all of this brainstorm, not one day, one week, all year Constantly. round. Mm -hmm. constantly brainstorming on the new technologies, bring in, yeah, we don't have it. <laughs> Literally, we don't have it. That should happen and it will happen because we will, once we start doing that, our economy will change. Yeah. We will understand how much value really humans have. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that we will be able to take doctor doctorates at the age of 14, 15, most of us will be able to do that. Uh, this is not new. In many countries, there are, for, for example, India, it's not in Iran also, <clears throat> there's not new that you have doctors that are 17, 16 even. Mm -hmm. So it happens. It doesn't happen often, but it happens. Yeah. And these countries, they know that these things happen. We're learning so many different things in our schools today and we're taking a very long time to learn it and all through books mm -hmm. uh, through vr we can shorten those periods of time needed to learn the curriculum 
we will be able to add a lot more curriculum and I hope that we can add a big bunch of history in our curriculum to teach what human no, is about. Because <laughs> yeah. if, if you don't know who you are, what you are, where you came from, how you are, what you are today, you don't know where you came from, then how would you know where you're going? Yeah, I agree. You need direction. Yeah. So... That's my hope for the future, that we understand a little bit more about our genetics, just mm -hmm. to cut it short there, and learn more. And also using VR, we are able to explore our visual cortex, if you want to use yeah. that word, yeah. the right side of the brain. Mm -hmm. Not use less of the left side of the brain, but use more of the right side of the brain balanced with the left side of the brain. I think we have more genius people among us. Yes, I agree. Yeah. We just have to show them the way how to realize themselves. Yeah. Yes. That's part of my mission too, by the way. So. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Solidarity. Yeah. And VR is a good tool. Mm -hmm. Just one quick example. You can learn to put together an entire car in VR piece by piece. You don't need to know anything about mechanics, engineering, no, nothing. And if you start putting that car together after a while, you will understand a little bit about mechanics and engineering. Oh, yeah. So you do that a couple of times and suddenly you know how to put a car together. <laughs> suddenly. So, suddenly. It doesn't take long, a week. Yeah. So it, it helps people do hard things in an easy way. That's probably the best way I can say it. Yes. Thank you. That's really fantastic. Thank you. Is there something that we didn't ask you, but you would want to talk about? Yes, women. Okay. What about women would you want to talk about? <clears throat> I think it's time that, it's not just me, uh, an entire world is waking up to this. My entire country is also waking up to this. Women coming to power. I'm not really sure how much percentage is men and women around the world. Some countries have more men, some countries have more women. But the balance in power is completely vacant. Mm. Yeah. In 2018, there is still a hierarchical man-centered man power structure. Yeah. In Norway and the Scandinavian countries, maybe a little bit... Northwestern Europe, France and England, uh, there are some women in power. I'm not sure if they are really in power. I was hoping that when women come to power that they wouldn't do things like the men do things. For instance? A stop war. Okay. Yeah. And why do you think that women are better in this? Because women give birth. Uh, men don't give birth. We're, actually, there are some men that can give birth now due to scientific progress, but it's not something natural, at, uh, not something I would actually propose to any guy. But uh, you can if you definitely want to experience what birth is like, giving birth. But anyway, women naturally give birth. Uh, the closest thing that men can do is take life. I yes. think that's the closest we can come to an understanding. 
Um, and we do. We've taken a lot of life, natural life and human life. And, yeah. And I have another question. You're a man. Yes. How, how do you feel about this? Because it's still very unusual to hear such words and this perspective about women, women in power mm -hmm. from men. I would say we, we as, as men, leading society as kings uh yeah we have a track record we've proven time and time again that we can kill a lot of people we are constantly developing weapons of mass destruction just to throw that back in the face of the people talking about Weapons of mass destruction. They are the ones building them. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it needs to stop. Uh, having women in power hopefully will change this aspect of understanding of what life is really worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect because we have crazy women too. Yeah. With all human beings, with all... <laughs> good and bad signs yeah so women in power uh, i believe that's a good step uh, but also women in their right minds in power not women in power because they want to be in power because power is not good and what is this right mind right mind is again coming back to solidarity Okay, now we have a circle. It's all about balance and solidarity. Yes. For the sake of creating the better future for us all. Yes. <laughs> that's why we should unite. That's why we should unite. And that's why I try to put up a business cluster. And hopefully within this business cluster, people can at least agree that we have technology that can solve a lot of things for our of own children. Yeah. Our yes. education for the, our children, the health of our children, the health for, okay, if you want to say forget our children, ourselves, when we grow old, my God, I saw one post of a group of older people sitting around a huge table with a plastic piece in their hand mm -hmm. and a balloon, and they're hitting this balloon back and forth. Seriously. That's what these old people are doing at this nursing home. Mm -hmm. The idea began in 2015. Uh, already there, I was in touch with uh, Oslo Tech, which run Oslo Science Park. Mm -hmm. And we decided to ha have our first international event at the Science Park, inviting people from all over Europe, yes. some from Japan, uh, not the US, but... Uh, Yeah, well, there were people from the United States, but they live in Norway, so they were represented. Uh, it was a huge hit. A lot of people came interested to talk and interested to learn. Yeah. And this continued And in 2000, actually, yes, 2017, August, uh, I decided that it's, uh, it's time to create the cluster as a cluster. Yeah. So no, no more beating around the bush, as they say uh, in the U.S., Uh, I said, okay, it's, uh, it seems people are interested in enough. So we were 18 companies that got together. 
and in the matter of five months, we are a hundred over a hundred companies and organizations as members. Uh, and in total, it's uh, 600, over 600 companies and organizations worldwide. So it's been a success, I can say. Yeah. I can use the word success there. And all of these people and companies have been handpicked. Huh. So I know that in our cluster, everybody has at least two or three potential partners, funding organizations, contacts, possible synergies. Yeah. Thank you very much for such an incredible time and such Thank a you. great interview. A lot I of hope information. So. Yes, a lot of information, interesting, valuable information. Hope to see you in a while again. Sure. Maybe to talk a little bit more in details. All right, sure. Just let me know. Yeah. That's okay. fine. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Yes, talk to you soon. Okay, Bye. thank you.